women as state champs, Indiana Extra Point, presented by Lawrence Technological University. Thank you so much for joining us. Amazingly, we are now through week four of the high school football season. I'm your co-host, Greg Rakestraw, joined as always by the Baz, Bob Stambazzi. Hello, my friend. How are we doing? Good morning, Greg. We're doing just peaches and cream here. It's another an exciting weekend. Last weekend, I can't wait till we get into it. All right. I know that you got to uh, experience a uh, not a brand new field, but uh, very much a new field because of renovations. Tell me about your Friday night in Wabash. It was exceptional. Number one, it was uh, 9-11, as everybody knows. So they had uh, National Guard Night at Wabash where everybody, uh, both teams came out with flags and held the flag at center field. And the pageantry was exceptional, as to be expected, when you have the opportunity to come on to a newly renovated uh, stadium. And uh, let me just say, nobody was disappointed. Uh, the scoreboard was phenomenal. Uh, the field is in, gee, it's just immaculate. Uh, new stadium in regards to stands, a new track coming in at Wabash. But uh, I got to tell you one thing that happened that everybody on, on the edge of their seats, Wabash, we thought, caught a touchdown. So Chris Beecham, and I got to say his name because he's a legend in his own mind. Uh, Chris Beecham was in control of the lights. They had these show lights. Uh, and so as soon as uh, Trey Coon caught the ball, we thought in the end zone, he pushed the button. And the lights go off and come on and go off and come on. And for the touchdown, except Trey Coon had dropped the ball. So <laughs> we, we, we had we had. A, what do they call that in volleyball? We needed a do-over. Needed a, needed a replay of the point, sir, is what you needed. <laughs> but it was an exciting night. Uh, unbelievable crowd. Uh, social distancing uh, uh, was being applied, but uh, really a great night for high school football in Wabash, Indiana, at Alumni Field. Now, tell me about who actually won the game. Who actually won the game? Oh, did we go to football? I'm sorry. Uh, Wabash wins the game 14 to 10, jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter and just kind of played some defense and never really got anything going on offense the rest of the game. Peru comes into the game undefeated 3 0, but uh, they managed just three points on a big leg by the Johnson kid in the first half, got seven in the third quarter, and then it was a defensive struggle. And it really went down to the uh, final couple plays to see who was going to win this ball game, and, uh, Greg. And the Wabash comes away victorious 14 uh, 10 to move that record now to 3 1 on the season. Let's talk about Peru for a minute, even though they lost. And again, Robinson St. Louis is in his third year as the head coach at Peru, did not win a game his first year, went okay. six and four last year, and now began this year three and zero oh before falling to the Apaches on, on Friday night. Your thoughts about the job he is doing in, in, in turning around and rebuilding that football program? Well, I had a chance to talk to coach after the game, and the first thing I told him, and I was very sincere, I remember three years ago when he first got that job and, and we talked, and this is a classy young man. He sets a great example uh, for all of his student athletes. He's doing a phenomenal job. This is his first head, first head coaching job at uh, Peru and putting his own stamp on things right now, and he's got some really good players with the Masters uh, running back and, and the strong kid, a quarterback, and the, and the Ross boys receivers. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, Robinson St. Louis has done a fabulous job with the Peru Tiger program. And like I said, they were right there till the very end Friday night. And even though they lost the game, they're 3-1. and one, uh, That's pretty good good start this year. 
All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, the game that I had on Friday night, yeah. and it was a story of, of two programs that have changed their fortunes over the last few years, or at least are in the process of doing so. North Central and Lawrence North say if when they would have played four or five years ago, that was likely the battle to see who was going to finish seventh in the mix. That was the game you looked on the schedule and said, hey, I think this is the team that we can beat, knowing how tough the remainder of their competition was going to be. Well, things have changed. And again, from a record standpoint and from an accomplishment standpoint, much more so at North Central. They snapped a sectional drought that was 25 years long without having a sectional title a couple of years ago. Uh, they got a piece of the Mick Championship in football for the first time last year. Lawrence North, on the other hand, has won three and four games in each of the last two seasons, but they have been far more competitive. And they have a young man in Donovan McCauley who is a potential Mr. Football candidate. He is verbal to play at Indiana University next year as a quarterback. These are two teams that are numbers three and numbers four in the polls going into the game. LN is rated number three. North Central is number four. We had North Central the week before. They blank Warren Central by a score of 10 nothing. You knew that wasn't going to happen this time because Lawrence North's offense was too good. Final score ends up being 27-21. North Central wins to get to 4-0 for the first time since 1998. Um, it was a game that had a very interesting start. Lawrence North won the toss. They won the football. Second play of the game, they fumble. On the ensuing short field, North Central scores. Next drive, LN goes three and out. They try a rugby-style kick. It might have been the punter's first rugby-style kick. It did not go well. Um, I'm not sure if it was blocked or simply he was half-tackled. He tried to get rid of it. It was a scoop and score by, by North Central. They lead 14-0. LN eventually does score a touchdown after a bad punch snap by North Central. On the ensuing kickoff, North Central returns it 90 yards for a touchdown. It's 21-7, eight minutes in. The score stayed that until about the end of the third quarter, where Lawrence North scored touchdowns on back-to-back -back drives, and it's 21-all. So here we are in the fourth quarter. North Central has not scored an offensive point since the opening drive of the game, a drive that took them about 30-ish yards to complete. So what happens? North Central scores. North Central answers the bell, and David Smith, their running back, scores his second touchdown of the game, and North Central finds a way to win 27-21. Baz, I, I don't know if either of those two teams have anything for Center Grove. We will find out this week because that's who North Central is playing there at CG on Friday night, and that game has a good chance of being for the conference championship already in week five of the season and really in week three of the conference season. But North Central and Lawrence North are both in the same sectional. Warren Central showed a vast improvement this week in beating LC by a score of 40 nothing after Warren had not scored the first two weeks. And they're young. They were hit hard by, by quarantine. They had 40 players in quarantine at, at one point in time. Um, that sectional seven is going to be wide open. I'm not sure the Mick is, but we're going to find out just how good North Central is this Friday night. That's a great comment because I was sitting here as you were talking and, and looking at the stats, and I'm sitting there scratching my head saying, Warren Central, huh, scored 40 points all season, gave up 30 all season. Oh, wait, they got 40 in one game. That's right. And to shut them out two weeks in a row uh, is 
well, like you said, numbers are down due to the COVID, but uh, that defense has not left them as you would expect. Yeah, they, they, they returned just three starters on defense. Uh, but when I saw them two weeks ago, those guys in, in Eccles and Nelson and Reed who are both – those are kind of linebackers slash defensive back types. So they're, they're all new up front. Um, but the two linebackers in Eccles and Nelson just fly all over the football. And so it's not surprising me – that they shut out Lauren Central, a team that's it's probably towards the back end of the league this year. And they've got a brand new head coach in Will Patterson, who planted LN, planted IU, was the head coach at Tech. I think he's the right guy for the job going forward, but it's going to be a year of struggle uh, for the Bears. So I'm not surprised that Warren kind of got it going. And now you are seeing teams, at least those that have been able to play close to a full season, but maybe had to go through this issue say in July and August, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're kind of figuring things out. And again, for Warren Central, it was the perfect storm. They were young last year, but played a lot of seniors who were kind of program kids who, who you know, who were not young in age, but were young in experience because the group in front of them went 14-0 and, and was so doggone good. <laughs> now you've got sophomores and juniors that are getting the playing time with a handful of exceptions on both sides of the ball. So they are truly a team that is poised to potentially have a a losing record during the regular season. And Warren has had one losing record in the last 20 years, and it was 2012, and that team went five and six. Um, But they're a team that if the draw bounces right for them, they could be a sectional champion, kind of a la Center Grove. Last year, you know, Center Grove made the state finals playing on sophomores and juniors, People forget the Trojans were four and five during the regular season because we all said, hey, look out, look how good Center Grove is going to be the next year. And here we are. And we've already kind of crowned them as the best team in the state. Let me talk about a couple of other results, Baz, for my portion of the state. And then I want to get to kind of your thoughts as to elsewhere in your area and in Fort Wayne. First, this for our friends from Lawrence Technological University. Over 100 degree programs offered at a university consistently ranked one of the best in the Midwest, according to U.S. News and World Report. Find out more at ltu.edu. So the game that I'm sure opened the most eyeballs across the state of Indiana uh, happened on Friday nights in the northern portion of Hancock County. A 65-game regular season win streak and a 30-game winning streak overall was snapped. New Pal, 5A in class, 4A in enrollment, beaten by conference member Mount Vernon, number three in 4A, and a semi-state finalist last year in 4A. Mount Vernon beats them by a couple of touchdowns on Friday night. And again, I, I didn't go as far as predicting the upset bass going into the week, but but you heard me say, hey, New Pal's ever going to have a team be competitive with them in the league? It's this scenario here. Your thoughts about Mount Vernon getting over the hump and, and knocking off New Pal on Friday. I just think it speaks volumes about that program. They're they're there. You know what I mean? It's been a program that's played good football the past years, but have always run into that juggernaut of uh, New Pal. But now they have have the opportunity, and they grasp that opportunity uh, to get that big win. And I think it just sends a signal that they feel they can compete with anybody uh, right now as we go forward. And remember now, uh, we're going in uh, uh, to week four, and this is – it's going to be interesting how we come out. I'm mean, excuse me, week five. It's going to be very interesting how things start to shake out now as we really get into the middle of conference play. Uh, agreed. And again, Mount, Mount Vernon now with Mike Kirschner uh, there as the head coach. Uh, and obviously a guy that has won a pair of state championships 
at Ben Davis High School. It is not a surprise that success is falling into Mount Vernon. And Mount Vernon is one of those teams that most years, six, seven, eight, nine wins, but had never had that lengthy postseason run and had it last year. Um, ran into a team in Memorial that obviously won the 4A state championship after being in the 3A state championship game each of the two previous years. The experience and, and knowing what it takes to win at that level of the postseason kind of caught up with Mount Vernon in the second half of that semi-state game last year. But I think that is motivating fuel for them, that confidence boost. Another thing, Baz, that, that I've heard coaches talk about and I don't think that we as media slash fans talk enough about, and that is the benefit of having such a late postseason run one year yeah. gets you so many extra practices for the next year. It's not just confidence. It's literally work with the coaching staff that benefits you for years to come. No doubt about it. And, and when I look at uh, Greg, our smaller schools having that opportunity because as soon as the season done, as you know, the majority of those kids go wrestle or go play basketball or or do a, another winter sport. Now, coaches are having the opportunity to keep them for two, three, maybe four extra weeks to get more practice in, especially for the younger guys. And this is uh, this is uh, so correct about coaches loving. And I talked to a lot of coaches that just say what you just said, having two extra weeks with these kids is so important about their development down the road. And I still think that 4A is the most wide open division. And and now Mount Vernon and Mooresville both have signature wins that they have picked up during the year. Mooresville at Leo, uh, Mount Vernon with New Pal. Mount Vernon will get more tests during the regular season, but nothing like they played in New Pal. Mooresville has a huge game coming up with Decatur Central, who's one of the best teams in 5A. And that is likely for the Mid-State Conference Championship, although Darren Fisher's team at Whiteland, I think, still will factor into that at, at some point in time. Um, but but 4A, 4A, I think, has the most logical contender, maybe 4A and 2A, uh, as far as I think what the postseason will look like. Mount Vernon and Mooresville uh, will be two teams to reckon with as far as the 4A level is concerned. And I wouldn't give up on Ron Colley just yet there either. So with that, we'll make the transition of the Catholic schools. Here in the Indianapolis area, Cathedral played at Chittard. Cathedral was the dominant team. I believe 39-20 off the top of my head was the final score in that one, Baz. That's one of those, if you're Chittard, you can almost write off that loss immediately. And when you're in a place like Chittard, you don't lose very often because they have won you know, double-digit state championships down the street from me at Bishop Chittard. But at the same time, they know they will not face a team like Cathedral the rest of the year. The fact that Shatar was able to put some points on the board and get some yards against that Cathedral team uh, kind of cements the fact that I think Shatar's the best team in 3A, and I'm not sure how close it is. Well, I know you have said that the, the entire season, and I, I would have to echo one thing, that when you can put some points on the board against a team like that uh, and not mop-up timing, you know what I'm talking about, uh, that's very important for what your psyche needs to have for the rest of the season, knowing that you can compete against the best of the best. And uh, that, that just sends a great signal to me as a coach. By the way, Cathedral has won their first four games. Uh, they have scored at least 39 points in all of those games. And they have done that without playing a home game. Now, 
only one lengthy trip of that. That would be to Penn, which they won 52-7 two weeks ago. But at Westfield, at Carmel, at Penn, at Chittard, they will now be home for the next four games. And for those that don't know, Cathedral has kind of bounced around from different facilities. They've got, they've got turf at their complex on 56th Street, but they don't have as room to put stands or truly park people uh, at Cathedral, So, which is why they have played at various different joints. Well, Arlington, now middle school, used to be high school, is the high school that is in the closest proximity to Cathedral. Now that Arlington is not playing high school football, Cathedral has now made Arlington their home. They have put some money into the facility uh, and and refurbished it a bit. And so that is going to be the permanent home for Cathedral football. They will be home for the next four weeks. And Bob, their next three games are all against teams from the GCL. If you don't know what the GCL is, that's okay, because that's a league from Indiana. That is the Greater Catholic League in Cincinnati. And so it is St. X, LaSalle, and Elder that will all make their way to Indianapolis in each of the next three weeks. Cathedral will not play another team from Indiana until they take on Brebuff in week eight. And the game that uh, I think eyeballs across the state will want to see, Cathedral at Center Grove, week nine, likely, barring a Cathedral loss, 5A number one versus 6A number one in week number nine. Now to move that game uh, over to the big house. Lucas Oil? You betcha. Move it to the big house. Put people in there because people are going to want to see this slobber knocker. I'm here to I, tell you. This is going to be a dandy. If you have social distancing, you can get 25% of the crowd. That's 16,000. You can get a Lucas Oil Stadium uh, if you go about it in that direction. All right, before I let Bob talk about the uh, better games in his neck of the woods from last Friday night, let's thank our friends at Lawrence Technological University, located in Southfield, Michigan. They've got 27 teams across 22 sports. Track and field, even men's volleyball are some of the newest offerings. There's nothing quite like being a college athlete. If you dreamed about it, then check this out. Head on over to ltuathletics.com and click the Be Recruited tab on the homepage. Fill out the questionnaire for your sport, and the incredible coaching staff will get it. Recruit yourself. You can even intern with the State Champ Sports Network team while you're living the dream and getting one of the best educations out there. Your journey begins at ltuathletics.com. All right, what games from Northeast Indiana, Baz, caught your attention from this weekend? Well, before we get to the big game, I got to talk a little bit about this uh, program up in Northridge. Uh, they're undefeated right now. Uh, they're 3-0, and but the thing that jumps out at me, they've scored 106 points. Give up zippity doo dah. Uh, this is a team that is in a brand new facility. Uh, all their athletics are really stepping up this year up at Northridge. They beat a, a Plymouth team that's kind of down this year. They beat uh, the Rockies by a score of 44 to nothing. But I just want to put that name on the radar of Northridge, not giving up one single point all season while scoring 100. And six. Also, another team that jumps out is Columbia City. Uh, Columbia City right now 4 0 on the season, 158 points while giving up just 33, uh, leading the uh, Northeast State. And the reason why that's important, there's another team there we talk a lot about called East Noble in that conference, who is uh, setting tied for second place with Leo. And that's just a slobber docker with those three schools back and forth just going after each other. Well, East Noble plays Leo this week, and that should be a dandy 
in that bad boy. Then the next week it'll be East Noble Norwell. Norwell's playing awfully well. We got to get to the big game. Big game in the SAC in the Summit City Conference was, <laughs> I just laughed because the way this bad boy turned out. But uh, Homestead defeated DeWanger by the score of 35 to 34. Oh, excuse me, in three overtimes. <laughs> and in this game, I uh, talked to some people that were at the game, uh, talked to an officiating crew. Uh, it was just a slobber knock. Uh, that's no other way to describe it. Uh, it. It was really a close game early. And then again, the, the points came really in overtime. And then Dwanger went for two, coach. Didn't make it. Homestead wins the ball game in triple overtime. <laughs> just just a great fashion. 35 to 34. Now, Dwanger, they're second in the conference in Fort Wayne. Homestead, they're tied with Dwanger in conference play in Fort Wayne. But leading the pack are the Carroll Chargers, and they're 4 0 on the season. Uh, once again, another team that's put some points on the board, 218 points in four games while giving up just 86. And that's in the Summit Athletic Conference where there's a lot of parity this year uh, up in the up in the sack. And we've talked just a little bit about Coach uh, Marvel and how what maybe to expect with them down the road sure. in tournament play. And Marvel right now is uh, 4-0. Uh, overall, 2-0 in Dunlin Conference play as Chesterton and Valpo sets there in second, third. Now, I have to bring up Valpo as I'm a big fan of the Vikings. Maybe it's because of the nickname Vikings. I don't know about Huntington North. But anyways, Valpo setting there with just 23 points given up on the season. That defense is sticky once again up there. Well, Maryville uh, has given up 46 while scoring 100 and 63. And the schools that we see uh, here on the My Bay Sports Network, Southwood, well, they're 4 0 on the season, coach. Uh, scored 144 and given up 47. And Wabash, well, having some success with uh, Coach Adam Hanley and uh, their 2 0 conference play, 3 and 1 uh, overall. Well, those two juggernauts step on the field. At Southwood this Friday night, we'll have that on 105.9 Bash. That should be an interesting game. Both teams, both teams now like to throw the football. So if we get some good weather, I'm here to tell you, that game could take seven hours to play. Forecast is for fantastic weather on Friday night. So take a sleeping bag with you uh, just in case you need it. Uh, you reference Merrillville, and I think a lot of folks expect them to be almost in the semi-state at worst in 6A. Uh, which is where they got to last when they ran into Carmel. Uh, Lafayette Jeff is in their same sectional. Lafayette Jeff is getting it done again this year, maybe in not as high-flying a fashion until this past week where they scored 76 points against Harrison. Yeah. Harrison is a team that normally hangs their hat on defense. 76 points is a month or like six weeks for what Harrison normally allows. Thomas Hogan had nine touchdowns for Lafayette Jeff on Friday night. Say it like Ferris Bueller's principle, nine touchdowns is what they had in a victory. So Lafayette Jeff, even with losing several key pieces to graduation, having quarterback Maximus Grimes transfer to Valparaiso, they are still getting it done. So look for Merrillville and Lafayette Jeff at some point in time in sectional number one. You reference Carroll. Uh, I'm not sure if Jeff's numbers have, have altered this. I haven't done the math since last week. But Carroll was number one in 6A in scoring. 
going into last week. And I know that stack because I looked it up because Lawrence North was number two. They were both top 10 in the state. Uh, and so Carroll is, is likely to benefit from Carmel now being in the southern half of the bracket instead of the north, although HSC is pretty good. And they won a rivalry game against Fishers on Friday night. So look out for the Royals. Their lone loss for Hamilton Southeastern has come at the hands of North Central, who will likely be rated number three in the state this week. And that came in overtime by a score of 36 to 35. Now, Baz and I, because I cover football in Central Indiana, he covers stuff in Northeastern Indiana. That tends to be the part of the state that we talk about. I cannot ignore where I am from, at least about 50 miles west down I-64. A quick tip of the cap to the Jasper Wildcats. They are 4-0. And Jasper's been 4-0, maybe not recently, uh, but but on a semi-regular basis, because before the all-time wins leader was the head coach of the Sheridan Blackhawks in Bud Wright, it was Jerry Brewer at Jasper that was the all-time wins leader. And they were a team that has made deep tournament runs over the years. They won the 4A state championship back in 2001. But it is a big year for the Wildcats because they made what I thought was a great move. They joined the Southern Indiana Athletic Conference, which, for those that don't know, is the Evansville Schools and Castle. Um, Jasper wanted to get in that league because of the fact they know from an enrollment standpoint, they're going to be 4A in the other sports. And so they were by far the biggest school in the old Big 8 conference. They needed to have one more school join them. So they picked their rivals in Vincennes. Those guys joined the SIAC. The schools from Evansville were excited about it because they were having to go through some serious drives to find non-conference opponents in football. For example, last year in week two, Evansville Modern Day played Whiting. I mean, literally, you are going from one corner of the state to the other. Evansville Central played Greenfield Central last year. The year before, Modern Day, it played a game against a team from St. Louis. It was next to impossible for those guys to find non-conference games. So you expand your league to 10. You schedule everybody uh, a single round robin. Scheduling is done. You don't have to worry about it. Stinks for Jasper. They don't play Southbridge in football anymore. But again, I still think this is the right move for the Wildcats. So, Baz, I'm bringing all this up because Jasper is 4-0 in their first year in a new league. And, you know, wins include last year's 4A champion in Memorial and perennial 4A powerhouse in Wrights. Jasper plays host to modern day on Friday night. But congratulations to Jasper as they are 4-0 to start the season in a brand new league. Wabash Southwood for you, correct, on Friday night? That is correct at Southwood. All right. So my game on Friday night uh, will be Carmel and Lawrence North. Again, Carmel almost went to one and three and 0 and two in league play. Give credit to Pat Echevarria and Pike. They battled, took it to double overtime, decided to go for two in the second overtime and did not get it. Carmel hangs on to beat Pike. Pike and Carmel have been in the same league now for eight years. Carmel is 8-0 against Pike during that time. They, those two played for a state championship back in the early 2000s. I want to say, I shouldn't say early, 2007. Carmel won that game. They have not been frequent opponents, but Pike has not beaten Carmel in football since 1961. That streak continues with Carmel winning in double OT. They are 2-2. Two two. They will play at Lawrence North. 
Carmel had to go to overtime to beat Lawrence North last year. So the Wildcats will look for their first victory against Carmel in a long time. When those two get together on Friday night, you can catch that on ISC and my MBTV with coverage beginning at 7 o'clock. Baz, anything else for God and country today? No, we got a great week coming up. We're really excited about some uh, exciting action uh, coming up here on the My Bash Sports Network and 1059 to Bash, boss. Thanks to our friends at Lawrence and Neological University, and thanks to West Wolf behind the scenes. For Bob Stambazzi, I'm Greg Rakestraw. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for listening to the State Champs Indiana Extra Point Podcast. Oh,